Hello, this is Supriti from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 18th of August. India registered 35,178 new coronavirus infections in the last 24 hours, which takes the total number of cases to over 3.22 crore. With 440 additional deaths in the last 24 hours, the country's death toll has risen to over 4.32 lakh. PTI reported that Health Minister Mansukh Mandavya has approved a 1300 crore cash package to combat the pandemic in the northeastern regions. The reporters collective reported that deaths due to COVID-19 in the state of Gujarat were undercounted by 27 times. The collective obtained copies of death certificates from 68 of the state's 170 towns. An analysis of the death registers shows that in the 68 municipalities, 16,892 more people died from all causes between March 2020 and April 2021 compared to the same period the prior year, the year preceding the pandemic, the Y reported. Only 6% of the state's population lives in these 68 municipalities. The wire calculated that the pandemic caused at least 2.81 lakh excess deaths in Gujarat by conservatively projecting the figure using simple proportionality. The amount is more than 27 times higher than the official COVID-19 death toll in Gujarat released by the government. Yesterday, Facebook sent Congress MP Rahul Gandhi an email requesting that he delete an Instagram post that exposed the identity of the family of a 9-year-old Dalit girl who was allegedly raped, murdered, and forcibly cremated in Delhi. Gandhi had visited the minor's family in Purana Nangal in Delhi cantonment on August 4th. He subsequently shared a 35-second video on Instagram of him and the girl's parents conversing inside a car. Facebook's move came only days after the National Commission for the Protection of Children's Rights sent Facebook a letter demanding action against Gandhi's account. NCPCR alleged that Gandhi had violated the provisions of the Juvenile Justice Act 2015, the Protection of Children from Sexual Offences Act 2012, and the Indian Penal Code. The NCPCR exempted Facebook from appearing before it via video conferencing after it submitted a report to the Child Rights Panel. After the NCPCR alerted Twitter India's resident grievance officer, Gandhi's Twitter account was temporarily suspended for tweeting an identical photo last week. The Madhurai bench of the Madras High Court issued a slew of orders yesterday to improve the functioning of the Central Bureau of Investigation, including that the agency be made an independent statutory body like the Election Commission or the Comptroller and Auditor General of India, Baran Bench reported. The two-judge bench of Justices N. Kirubakaran and B. Puglendi was hearing a petition demanding a CBI investigation into a chit fund scam. While the court initially denied to transfer the matter to the CBI due to an ongoing investigation by the economics wing, it then decided to look into wider concerns such as the necessity to have more resources and more personnel, including modern infrastructures for CBI. Referring to the CBI, the bench remarked that the order was an attempt to release the quote-unquote caged parrot. It further recommended that the CBI solely be accountable to Parliament. The judges also advocated separate funding allocations for the CBI in their 12-point instructions to overhaul the agency's existing structure. The court recommended that the CBI be given powers similar to those of a government secretary and that the agency's Central Forensic Science Laboratory be upgraded to match those of the FBI in the United States and Scotland Yard in the United Kingdom. 
According to the findings of India Today's Mood of the Nation survey issued on Monday, Prime Minister Narendra Modi's popularity has declined from 66% to 24% in a year. The handling of the COVID-19 problem was cited by respondents as the key cause of the drop in ratings. This year's survey has 14,599 participants and was conducted between July 10th and July 22nd. Rural respondents made up 71% of the total, while urban respondents made up 29%. Residents of 19 states, 115 parliamentary seats and 230 assembly seats were included in the study. Large gatherings such as election rallies were blamed for the second wave of the pandemic in India, according to as many as 27% of those polled. According to Scroll, about 26% claimed it was caused by a lack of respect for COVID-appropriate behaviour and 71% of the respondents said COVID-19 had infected and killed more people in the country than government records indicated. As many as 29% of the respondents believed that the National Democratic Alliance government's worst failing was price rise and inflation. The second worst failing of the Modi government, according to 23% of the respondents, was the unemployment rate. With an 11% vote, Uttar Pradesh Chief Minister Adityanath was the second politician chosen by poll respondents for the prime ministerial position after Modi and Congress leader Rahul Gandhi who is the third most popular candidate with 10% approval rating. Speaking of political popularity, a recent report on News Laundry found that criminal allegations are apparently a non-issue. After Narendra Modi reshuffled his ministry on July 7th, the media carried a variety of profiles of the new ministers, focusing on educational qualifications and representation of various social groups. But what about the ministers with criminal cases? We found that the top five ministers here had cases against them, ranging from theft and wrongful restraint to attempt to murder. Head over to our website, newslaundry.com, and know the truth about your lawmakers that represent your interests. The report is titled, Who are Modi's Ministers Facing the Most Criminal Cases? While you're there, you can also read Tanishka Sodi's report on how a teenage boy, Muhammad Akbar Sheikh, lost his life in Mumbai because of a dearth of toilets in his area. The report is titled, For want of a toilet, a Mumbai boy had to die. Reports such as these require time and resources. And in order to do them, and do them well at that, we look to our subscribers for support. Help us continue to bring you the stories that matter by subscribing to us. Our lowest subscription starts at only 300 rupees a month. The Supreme Court Collegium, led by Chief Justice N. V. Ramana, has recommended nine judges, including three women judges, for elevation to the Supreme Court. One of the judges is Justice B.V. Nagarathana, who is currently a judge on the Karnataka High Court. In 2008, she was appointed as an additional judge of the High Court of Karnataka, and nearly two years later, she was appointed as a permanent judge. According to NDTV, Justice B.V. Nagarathana might become India's first female Chief Justice in 2027. If this takes place, her appointment will be a landmark moment in the country's legal system. Justice Hima Kohi and Justice Bella Trivedi are the two other women judges in the list of recommendations. Live Law reported that the Chief Justice of India, N. V. Ramana, today said that he was extremely upset with the media speculation about the recommendations made by the Supreme Court Collegium. He maintained that the process of appointment of judges is sacrosanct and has certain dignity attached to it. He said, and I quote, Reflections in some sections of the media, pending the process, even before formalizing the resolution, is counterproductive. End quote. 
According to live law, a Delhi court today cleared Congress MP Shashi Tharoor in the case involving the death of his wife, Sunanda Pushkar. Tharoor was ordered to file bonds by special judge Gitanjali Goel. He had been charged with abetment to suicide and cruelty by the Delhi police. Referring to the last seven years as torturous, Tharoor said, and I quote, This brings a significant conclusion to the long nightmare which has enveloped me after the tragic passing of my late wife Sunanda. I have weathered dozens of unfounded accusations and media vilification patiently, sustained my faith in the judiciary which today stands vindicated. End quote. On January 17, 2014, Pushkar was found dead in a five-star hotel suite in Delhi. Tharoor was accused in May 2018 of abetment to suicide and marital cruelty under Indian Penal Code Sections 306 and 498A. Today's development came after the court reserved the decisions on April 12th following a detailed hearing with senior advocate Vikas Pawar representing Tharoor and additional public prosecutor Atur Shivastava representing the state. In a news conference held on Tuesday, the Taliban pledged to respect women's rights, forgive those who oppose them, and ensure that Afghanistan does not become a refuge for terrorists. Zabiullah Mujahid, the Taliban's long-standing spokesman, vowed that the Taliban will respect women's rights within Islamic law's rules, but he didn't elaborate. Regarding the media, he said, and I quote, When it comes to the activities of the media, Islamic values should be taken into account. End quote. The Taliban have encouraged women to return to work and permitted girls to return to school by providing Islamic headscarves at the entrance. Mujahid reiterated the Taliban's offer of full amnesty to Afghans who worked for the US or a Western-backed administration, claiming that nobody will go to their doors to ask why they helped. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a good day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 